Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. I want to welcome everybody to this episode of Legacy Leaders. My name is Carol Dewey, and I have a guest with me. His name is Barry Hamo. He has a law firm specializing in business planning, business succession, estate planning, probate, and of course, I'll let Barry tell you all about that. But welcome, Barry, and thank you for joining me on the on the episode today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Excited. Awesome. Maybe you could share with us from the to start it off, you know, what was it that motivated you or what kind of passion did you have to to get into law and go to law school? I went to law school. I was very clear. I wanted to be in business and I wanted to have a head for business and have the training. And I figured I'd find something that I liked. And I did. I found estate planning and business planning. And I took every course imaginable for planning and business. And that led me to a tax program and LM and tax. And here we are. Awesome. That sounds great. So why was it that, um, you know, what was it about business and estate planning and that that kind of piqued your interest in you thought, hey, you know, this is really the avenue I want to go. Because, I mean, in law, you could have chosen a lot of different avenues. Sure. I wanted, I, I just felt it was very stimulating. It was cerebral, problem solving. I just really liked, you know, it's like a puzzle. Every situation is like a puzzle, and I really enjoyed solving those puzzles. Um, I attribute a lot of my interest to an, uh, one of my professors that I, that I had, and numerous classes I took of his, and he's still a colleague of mine that we, I communicate with regularly. He got me inspired on, on, on kind of the sophistication and complexity of planning, and I, I really liked it. So I just I kept doing it, kept pursuing it. That's great. It sounds like when you say you're solving puzzles for, for business owners, families, and things like that, it sounds like you're taking a very unique approach or a customized approach, would you say, to each perspective that comes in front of you? Absolutely, yes. I think we do it a little differently in our firm. It's very personalized and we really try to get to the bottom of what people are trying to accomplish well beneath the surface mm-hmm. of the obvious, you know, things that people want to do when they when they think of planning. We kind of really get to know them and their goals and their families and their some of their complexities and concerns. And that only comes out through getting to know people and, and, and spending the time to have conversation, difficult conversations. And deeper conversations. And then, of course, our documents are tailored and our planning is tailored to those needs. So it's, it's when people call me and like want cookie cutter stuff, I just tell them we're not the right fit. Right. So would you say that there, there are clients then that maybe come in thinking they want or need something specific? And then as, as you uncover through your discovery process, that it's really something different that they really need? I would say that like 95 plus percent of the time that is true. People call, I want a will. Okay. Why do you want a will? What, what, what's going on? You know, what, what's going on in your life that makes you think you need a will? And why do you, what have you heard? <laughs> what have you learned online? And it usually results in a, in an epiphany moment of, oh, we probably should sit down together and talk about this. Then. Right. And there's yeah. just people who call, you know, they want, sur- you know, a surgical 
procedure, I call it, where they're like, you know, I want this particular document and I, I, we're not going to do it unless we really understand what's really going on because it's just malpractice to say, okay, we'll do what you want when you're not the, you know, the expert who does this every day. Right. It's kind of like a, a, someone walking into a doctor's office, self-diagnosed, one looking for something specific that not really a good fit. Exactly. I call it self-prescribing, but yes, it's the same thing. Like we can't do that and I won't do it. Some attorneys will, I'm sure, but like, it's just not us. Okay. That sounds good. So who would be an ideal client for you? What What is like the, the person that you really enjoy working with? Well, we've been fortunate to develop relationships, like I mean, lifelong relationships with clients for, you know, going on, I guess this is year 14 of our firm here in South Florida. You know, the people that we work with that that have the longevity relationships is predominantly people that have businesses. It's a state, it's that marriage of a state, the states and the state planning and the business planning. And so you have kind of that Venn diagram overlap of where you have states with businesses. There's always business stuff to do. There's always a state stuff to do. And those are the types of clients I think that that need us the most. I mean, people don't really update their estate planning more than every three to five years. You know, we have a whole laundry list of I guess milestones and events that would trigger people, but really it's you know three to five years. But when you have businesses and you have both the states and business, it's it's much more frequently than that. So I would say, you know, thirty to sixty have a business, have succession, you know, and managerial, you know, transition issues, gifting issues, just general state planning, asset protection planning wishes. There's a lot to do. Okay. So it sounds like then you probably also work with some of these business owners to with strategies that might help them mitigate tax issues that are forward thinking in the future? Or do you get into that part of of their... Yeah. So just zoom out a bit. In our practice, we, as I mentioned, we do estate planning and business planning. And so you have like your wills and trusts and probate and trust administration on this side, which we do a lot of. And on this side, we have the business planning, which is, you know, from A to Z, formation, tax advice, partnership, agreements, investing, then you have your, I don't, we don't do intellectual property, but we work with people who only do intellectual property. And you have your, you know, your employment labor agreements, your customer agreements, obviously governing documents. You know, you have conflict when it arises. We don't deal with litigation at this time, but we work with people who only do litigation. And so we, we try to get people to the right, the right fit. And of course there's succession and exit planning on the kind of the back end that, that is very much prevalent. So yes, tax advice in terms of formation and kind of ongoing is something that we're looking at um, in conjunction, of course, with working with very reputable CPAs and financial advisors as a team. Yeah. Yeah. As as a financial advisor myself, it's one of the biggest things when I work with my business owner clients that comes up is, you know, what can we do about all these taxes <laughs> that we have to face coming coming and going? I mean, it seems nobody to be likes, very prevalent. <laughs> nobody likes to pay taxes, but I mean, it is legal to take advantage of of legitimate things and there's things you can do and then there's, you know, only so much you can do. So how how do the how does the typical business owner or client find you? I mean, do they do they come through referral sources or, you know, do you wanna give out your your contact information so if somebody's listening, they can come back and, and Sure, and sure. Um you? I would say uh about seventy five percent of our business is referral, just word of mouth, you know, former clients professionals, uh, other lawyers in the community. We get referrals actually from a lot of people that do estate planning and probate because we, again, we do that whole business side that nobody else does. And of course, conversely, we have the business lawyers that send us estate stuff and probate. We have a, a nice online presence as well. 
We have a tremendous amount of content on our website. I, I like doing this. I like having videos. I have a ton of videos on our YouTube channel, hours of content of just like sitting here talking to me and getting information. We have you know downloadable content and, and a website with I think 700 plus pages now. So a, a lot of it is just kind of organic. And we're, we're very fortunate to, to have developed a nice, you know, relationship with with these clients and advisors and and other professionals. So if you want to give my information, of course, you know, it's Hamo Law, H-A-I-M-O-L-A-W.com. And I, I'm sure you can post it maybe wherever you're going to post it. On- yeah, we'll definitely be including it in our show notes. But I just wanted to make sure that people knew how to get on in touch with you because it sounds like you have a lot of breadth of knowledge in this area. As you mentioned, a lot of educational resources for people that they might want to do. So what are the most, maybe some of the most common issues that you help clients with? Common issues. Like, is there a business owner type situation where you were able to, you have an example of maybe a story of, of something that-, that Let me, let me answer without that giving names. different questions. Let me answer a different question. First, let me just say, like, I love doing this. I love talking about this stuff. This stuff, this is the best part of my day, talking to you and talking with clients and really getting to know them. Like that, that literally is like the best part of my day. You know, what problems do you, I think the best question to answer is what are the biggest things that we've helped people solve? What are the biggest problem? The biggest problem? Well, I would say, we'll divide it into different types, right? So when it comes to planning, I would say poor planning, non-existent planning, cheapy planning. We have we've have documents with lawyers that didn't know what they're doing, and it created an exorbitant amount of problems with figuring out what should be done. Okay, and that creates conflict, and conflicts cost money whenever you get lawyers involved, right? So that's that's a problem. Clarity is important. So on the planning side, just getting it right, thinking it through, working with people who who do it every day and know how to do it right is important. So you know that costs. So the the, the effects of of a, of a bad plan, you know, we're talking about probably a probate and probate, depending on where you are in the world, here in Florida is expensive. You know, you're probably looking at around, I don't know, 10 plus thousand, 20,000, depending on your estate. Some, some estates can be five times as much as that, depending on complexities. So probate is something you want to avoid. You can't avoid it, but you've got to do it right. And doing your documents alone does not necessarily do that. In terms of probate administration, some of the issues that we've seen are, they relate to creditors. I always explain probate as like the ABCs. You got your assets, your beneficiaries, you got your, your, your creditors. Assets, beneficiaries, and creditors. And there's always a complexity with one of those things. Every time, everybody everybody says there's not, but but there is every time, right? You so know the what assets- I really like Barry is the your analogy of the airport and flying when it comes to probate. You watch my video. <laughs> I read it on the website. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. so it is a video. I do have an old video uh, talking about that. Probate is a, is a process. It's it's not really one that you want to to do for your family if you if you love them. If you don't like your family, then send them to probate. It's like the final f you. You know, don't don't. But for most people who like their family, you don't want them to go through it. So the ABCs, assets, beneficiaries, creditors. There's always a problem. Creditors, I think, is the biggest problem because those are the people who want money, credit cards, funeral expenses, medical bills, Medicaid. Just big car accident. I've had a lot of car accident issues in probate where there was a car accident before someone died. And probate is the arena, the cage match of getting paid. And it blows up. And it, it you know, I've, we've had all sorts of crazy creditor related blowups that, that, that make it very expensive and very time consuming. We're talking years and well over six figures. Okay. It's, it's nasty. Uh, beneficiaries can be interesting because if you have ambiguity in your documents, if you have children you don't know about that have to come into the picture, 
I would say one really interesting thing we've dealt with a lot of times, unfortunately, is people who die while they're pending divorce. Oh. People who die while they're pending divorce. In Florida, well, you're still married in that circumstance, and you have those spousal rights and privileges when you pass. That includes preferences of, of appointment and as the personal representative, and most importantly, the elective share. Elective share means that the spouse, the spouse, cannot be cut out, except in Georgia. In Florida, it cannot be cut out. You have an entitlement to, I believe, like 30% of the elective estate. The elective estate is everything that you own, even non-probate assets. And so it gets ugly when you have families with a spouse that is really not supposed to be a spouse and, and kids, and you're taking money out of the kids' mouths because the spouse has rights. It's, it's nasty. And so these things can be buttoned up, and they should be buttoned up, and otherwise they, they do blow up. On the business side of probate, you never want to have a business that goes through probate because then it gets tied up in the court system. Those creditors that are fighting over money can look at that business as an asset from which they can become involved and take over. We've seen cases take over a year and over $10,000 where the, the business was insolvent just to get it to the rightful owner. So it's it's probate is kind of the big theme here on the, on this side of the of the puzzle. We want to avoid it. With with business planning, you know, some of the problems that we've seen is just like estate planning, you know, bad planning, crappy documents going online and saying, oh, this looks nice. Let's just download it, plug it in and use it. Like I've seen that firsthand and I've seen it blow up to the tune of well over $500,000 in a three plus year litigation over language, the use of language that, that without the right language has to go to litigation. That means facts, that means depositions, discovery, hearings, trial. It's extremely expensive to do wrong and fix. Um, you know, so to do it right, I think is is going to save you time and money and heartache and emotional emotional toll. So I, I hope that that answers a couple of different scenarios on the spectrum yeah. of what we do. Yeah, that's really great because I think you know it it will help people say, oh, you know what, that might be me, and I might need yeah. to reach out and and get that fixed. Let me give you one more related, if you don't mind. Post mortem disposition. Post mortem disposition. Yes, you could put it in your will, but we've seen where there's fighting among those survivors and the will has to then, of course, the will has no effect until it's admitted by the court and stamped as approved and admitted. It has no effect. It's, it's just a piece of paper. It's just this. <laughs> and so to get that to be done has to go through that process while you have fighting about what to do with the, the final disposition. You have delays in the burial or cremation, the service, the family coming in and gathering. Like I've seen it happen. I see it last weeks because the right documentation wasn't done that could have prevented that. And it's really, it's really heartbreaking to see this type of blow up. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, God. No, I mean, it's a good point because I always say money makes people funny <laughs> when it comes to, you know, oh, yeah. they start to, family members start to lose their minds when, when things aren't done appropriately. We have, we have fought over silverware before. Yeah. There's the, there's some pretty famous, or I should say infamous cases of, uh, you know, estate planning gone wrong. <laughs> There are. And Judge Learned Hand was one of them. <laughs> it's always ironic like that. Let me make one more point about a problem that I think we get a lot of calls from new parents. That's a big driver for estate planning. We just had a baby. We're supposed to do our documents. Like that, That's what we're supposed to do. It's the responsible thing, I'm told by everybody around me. And that predominantly is hinges on uh, guardianship. Who's going to take care of our minor or incapacitated children? That's really the only issue they care about usually when it comes to new parents. And I would say that that's a really big thing to get done right because you have to think about unifying your approach. 
Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if one person passes away first, the timing matters because they'll have a different parent or grandparent or or something, you know, taking care of the kids. So you just want to make sure that that's buttoned up tight. And of course, if you have divorced parents who don't talk and have kids and can't get together like adults, you're going to have a different set. And whoever dies first is the one who's not going to be used because it's going to go to the surviving parent and that person's plan. So these are things that people got to pay attention to. That's a really good point. Never really thought about that situation before. Let me add one, another one for you then. Okay. <laughs> Young adult kids who are in college, they don't have that. Nope, none of them have documents. I would say 0.001% of them have documents. What does that mean? Well, it means that if God forbid they're incapacitated, like non-medically, say financially, you're not going to have any access to their account. You're not going to have any access to anything that they, they do on a day-to-day basis. Financial, banking, legal, administrative, taxes, nothing until you go to a guardianship court and get appointed if you're lucky, which is a real expensive, time-consuming, and, and quite an invasive process that the documents completely eliminate. On the medical side, they're not going to talk to you, the hospitals, the medical providers, because of HIPAA. Right. So even though your little baby's 18, they're not going to talk to you. And it's a frightening revelation for parents to hear this. So we do a fair amount of this type of work for the like the young adults who are in college, particularly. It's 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 quite an interesting phenomenon. If people are like, "What? I can't go to the doctor for my my baby now? They turned eighteen. I can't." Yeah, they're of legal age, and I think that starts to sets in when, what, like you mentioned, when they go to college and the school won't talk to them about their financial aid. They won't talk to them about <laughs> yeah. anything because unless they sign that piece of paper that says. You can talk to my parents about this stuff, all because of HIPAA and everything else. They are considered legal adults. So it's a very good point to bring up. Is there any situation where it was one of those things where you, you thought, gosh, I really wish I'd have met this person or was able to help this person before this just awful situation happened? You know, if you if, if you could have gotten in front of it, knew about it, knew them, you know, is there any of those kind of where it really went wrong that you'd like to just kind of put out there so that people can be aware that, you know, if you don't really think about this and get these documents in place, things can go horribly wrong. The answer to that question is yes, absolutely. There's a lot of people that that we would have, their life would be in a very different dimension if we were able to get to know them before the problem arose and, and help solve it or help even plan to avoid it. Absolutely. Some business related transactions, you know, some estate planning, some probates. A lot of people call us really late. You know, something happens. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. You would never believe it. But like people call us after like 10 years after someone passed away and saying, hey, there's a house. We want to sell it. We can't sell it because there's, they're saying something about a probate. I need some sort of letters or order. Why'd you wait 10 years? I was going to say, that's it's amazing. It's incredible. So we, we do those and there's some interesting problems because now that you've waited 10 years, of course, you have to get the title to change, right? And that's just a simple you know, probate after two years in Florida. But when eight people along the list have died since that time, and now you have nine probates to do instead of one, it's an absolute nightmare. And we've done a lot of this kind of stuff where you have one probate at the top that has to kind of trickle down the different beneficiaries because there's no will, for, for example. And three of them are dead. And those three have to get the states opened. And then there's people that are all over the place in the world. Like these are these are crazy situations that could have been avoided as an example. But there's there's some there's some more. Probably just got a whole lot more complex. 
<laughs> There's a lot of heartbreaking stuff that we we deal with that we wish we could we could have helped you know prevent, but. I just kind of keep perspective and know we're helping as best we can. And that's why I do all this kind of stuff with the videos to try to get people to do it before it's too late. Right. So, you know, you brought up a lot of good things during our conversation here. What do you what do you like best about what you're doing? Like best? That's a trick question. <laughs> I like I like obviously the helping. You know, when people are, are done with working with us, there's just like this tremendous sense of relief and this pressure and anxiety that people have, they just, they feel better. They know that things are in order, that they know that they can call us. They know that we're going to be here for them. Those people who pass away, you know, their families feel better that we're able to help them through the transition. But, you know, working with clients and getting that client FaceTime and talking with them and getting to know them, the relationships to me is, is most important. A lot of our clients become friends and, you know, those, those relationships are, are, are invaluable. I mean, that trust isn't, is invaluable. Like, that's it's not about money. It's not about transaction. It's it's about people and relationships and solving real problems and coming through for people who really trust you. So that's I mean that's irreplaceable. That's invaluable to us. So it sounds like your relationships with your clients kind of grow into generational relationships because you're helping solve a a really big concern for them that makes it easier for the next generations to keep moving forward especially in business succession, because what are the statistics there for businesses succeeding in second, third generations? They're pretty poor. Very, they? very low likelihood of success. On the front end of startups, I believe it's 90% fail in the first five years. Of those that don't fail in the first uh, first five years, 90% of those that survive the first five years fail in the next five years. Mm-hmm. And you have that succession, like you said, of the, I think it's, I forget the numbers exactly, but it's like, the second generation is extremely low success rate and the third generation is like well into single single digits. Right. Yeah. So a lot of pre-planning has to go into that to make sure that if that's your legacy, if that's what you want to leave behind, that that, that you have that strong succession plan. I'm uh, I'm watching this, the show Succession for research and development purposes right now. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> okay. So is there any last things that you'd like to add or... Or you think people ought to really know before we wrap up our conversation today? There's just, you know, there's so much that we could make this a 10-hour podcast. But I would say that, you know, cleaning up, cleaning up, fixing things is is much more expensive than doing it the right way the first time. I would say be open-minded to talking with different professionals like advisors and CPAs and, and, and attorneys, state attorneys, business attorneys. Before you pull the trigger on doing things, if you're just going to go talk to your CPA, they're going to get you into the tax. Their 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 laser beam focus on tax, and that's sometimes a problem. Oftentimes, a problem to the exclusion of everything non-tax. And in, in our experience, you know, enlightening people as to some of the benefits that are non-tax, like oh, I didn't know that. You know, well now you know, and now it's going to cost you a lot of money to fix it. So getting things done the right way, we do a, a quarterly webinar for clients where we give some tips and tricks and reminders of of things to do and not to do. So that that's when people work with us that they get that. I don't know. I guess there's so much I could talk about. I don't want to just start rambling. Okay. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of great educational resources for anybody who's looking for additional information available on your website, YouTube channels. Do you have a Facebook page? All of those kind of main outlets to for people to find you? Yeah, we do uh, all the, the socials. We post 
pretty regularly, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays. I think Mondays is, uh, it used to be Momentum Mondays. It might be Mythbuster Mondays now, which I think is better. And we do t- uh, Tuesday's tax tips. So as soon as I get off here, I'm going to post something tax related, usually with a video of some kind in support of it. And then Friday is Fundamental Fridays, where I just try, try to post like, you know, helpful things to think about and different social is different kind of imagery, we'll say. That sounds uh, good. Yeah. It's really great to be on here. I appreciate you you having me on. And I'm- Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing with, that, with me and your and our audience here and and uh, hopefully we'll have you back and we can talk about some more uh, different aspects. Whatever I can talk about to help people, I'm always available to do it. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Barry, for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.